Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Praise God. Good morning, everybody here. <laughs> Hello. <clears throat> we're, we're getting to the place now where things are, are going to start turning, uh, you know, for Jesus. It's sort of going from a place where he's being welcomed and adored and almost worshipped to jealousy and, and resentment and all sorts of things. Um, John MacArthur writes this. He says, this section from John chapter 5 through to, verse, uh, to chapter 7, excuse me, uh, he says, evidences the shift from reservation and hesitation about Jesus as Messiah to outright rejection. And this is where it all begins in verses 1 through 18. We're going to look at that today. <clears throat> One more quote. Um, he says, although opposition to Jesus smoldered beneath the surface, the story of Jesus healing at the pool of Bethesda highlights the beginning of open hostility toward him in Jerusalem. And so in John chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, that's all he says because all John wants to uh, communicate to us at this point is this is the reason why Jesus is down there. Okay, there was a feast. He was attending the feast and he was doing what he does. Verse 2, And now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda having five porches. Now, this, this, um, this is not just one little pool. It actually, let me see if I can, okay. Uh, I've got as a point of interest here. The pool mentioned here in the Hebrew actual, actually alludes to twin pools. With archaeology and later testimony of geographers uh, and pilgrims confirming that the pool was double. That probably means that the pool must have been quite large, having five porches around it. Verse 3. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, there's been questions about this passage of scripture. I'm not going to argue and talk to you about it today. We're not in Bible college. Okay, verse 4, it says, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well for, uh, for, of whatever disease he had. Now, you know, some people say, well, there were healing waters there. Well, if there were healing waters there, everybody would get in the thing. All right, and we must not discount the supernatural work of God in places. Amen. And, you know, whatever it's saying, it's saying. There's been a lot of argument about this. And like I said, if we were in Bible college, I would answer all those arguments. But let me just say this. Something supernatural is going on. Okay? We've got an issue here. We've got something going on here that there are people that are sick that need healing. All right. Verse 5. Now we're going to focus in on one person. It says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Verse 6. And it says, When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. And he said to him, Do you want to be made well? You know, to me, that was a very funny question. I'm like, okay, the dude's there. 
He, you know, it looks like he wants to be well, but you know, there's something very interesting. Sometimes sick people get so attended to and looked after and pampered and everything else, you don't want to get well. How do you know this? Because we had somebody living next door to us that was like that. This person would, and you know, the mother would have to look after the daughter and she'd be yelling, you know, get me this and get me that. And the mother, now, you know, we're not talking about 20 and 40. We're talking about 60 and 80. Are you all with me? This is a weird situation. You know, and uh, I'm not going to say anything more about that. But it, it was, it, you know, because she just loved the attention. She just didn't want to get out of bed. Okay, so Jesus is asking a question, and can I just say this as well? If you're praying for people, check with them. I have learned to check. What do you want? You want to get healed or a more comfortable bed? Wait, no, serious, man, you know. All right, anyway, not Bible college. Moving on. Verse 7, the, <laughs> the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool or into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. So obviously something is going on here. Obviously there is a point in time an angel comes down, he stirs the water for that moment in time. Whoever gets in gets healed. Okay? Don't argue theology with me. That's just what they're saying. Verse 8. <laughs> Jesus said to him, watch, watch now, watch. Jesus just says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. He doesn't say, let me lay hands on you. Let me pray for you for a minute. Now, something very important is going on. Remember what happened in the, the previous uh, story that we looked at? Or incident. This is not story. This is incident, okay? The previous incident, the, the healing of the nobleman's son. Remember that? He says, come, you know, and, and heal my son. And he says, go your way. He speaks the word. Remember I told you that John is trying to make a point. John is making the point that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word speaks the Word, and things happen. Amen? So both of these healings, there's no touching. It's, and, and we know from the other Gospels that he did all kinds of things to heal people. But right now, John is making a point. Right now, he's saying, listen, there is something so powerful about this that we need to get a hold of it. Because there are times that we can't get to people and we can't lay hands on them. And we're thinking, God, if I was only there, read the Gospel of John. Hallelujah. You are there in spirit. God's there. Amen. And they, he sent his word and healed them. Hallelujah. Now that has two meanings. Because in the beginning was the word and he sent his word and he healed them. Hallelujah. But you know, remember the person, the, remember the Roman centurion, speak the word only. He said, you don't have to come. Just say it out. It'll get done. I mean, that is power, man. I mean, think about this. And this is the reason why Jesus says, if you say to this mountain, he didn't say if you feel around it, you get a little shovel and threaten it. Bring the bulldozer next. <laughs> you know? okay. Dynamite comes after that. You know, whatever. There's no threatenings required. He says, speak to the thing. You have been designed by God to... <laughs> this is the reason why Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, I keep going back there. Because that is what this is all about. And God said, let them have dominion. 
And if a mountain is out of place, move the thing. It's just there as a starting point. Are you all with me? This whole planet was meant to be what we... I, I truly wonder what God would have taught us to do had sin not come in right at the beginning. We would have been doing amazing things. I, I, you know, I'm sure Eve would have said to Adam, ah, that mountain doesn't, I don't like it over there. You know, like furniture. You know what I'm trying to say? Can we move it? <laughs> you laugh, but <laughs> that this was, this was their home. The whole planet was their home. And God said, take dominion. In other words, move it around, whatever, however you want. Just do whatever you want to do. The river is in the wrong spot. Put it somewhere else. I'm just getting you started. The parents have given you some furniture. You do with it as you wish. You know what I'm trying to say? See, because we don't get this, we're still building our life around things that we think are permanent when Jesus said, if you don't like it, just get rid of it. And I've, <laughs> I have to be careful now. <laughs> Some people live with the mindset that I can't control anything. All I can control is my attitude. When Jesus said something else. And if you're one of those people, I pray that you hear me right now. There is a higher life. It is a world that needs to decide, okay, I can't control things. So I'm just going to have to, the thing I can control is my attitude and, and the way I, see, you know, I react to them. And so I'll have a good reaction. Listen, man, if your ship is sinking... Having a smile on your face won't do a thing. You need to do something. Amen? You need to speak. You need to change the circumstance. Hallelujah. Where was I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So I want you to see the power that is... And I also want you to notice something here. That the sequence of events... Jesus didn't say, get up, walk around a little bit, see if something works. He just said, rise, take up your bed and go home. Which means something happened to that man at that point in time. Which means the word that he spoke brought life into that man. Do you know that the word that you speak brings life into people? I told you, you really need to understand. You know that old saying about sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never harm me? is the dumbest saying that ever, anybody ever said. Today, people are scarred for life because their mom or their dad or somebody, said, somebody in authority over them said something to them that stuck with them, and they lived their whole life on that one thing. And we have to counsel it all out. Well, that's what I'm doing now, <laughs> Okay. If you got stuck, get rid of it. If it isn't from here, get rid of it. If it's from here and it's wrongly divided, get rid of it. Hello. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of stuff from here that's wrongly divided. You know, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, the rightly divided word. That's what you study, you show yourself approved. Rightly dividing this word of truth. So it doesn't put people in bondage, but frees them and puts them back into Genesis. Back in to let them have dominion. Amen. You know, there's no excuse. 
we've really got to get to that place. No excuses. Somebody starts making an excuse and has a great theology to shut him off. There's no excuse. Do you know everything that comes at you is coming not, on, not, in, not only... Sorry, I've got so much going on. Everything that is coming at you is not only coming at your mind. It's literally, in, in fact, it's coming at your heart. Because Jesus said, if you can believe... He's, he didn't say if you can mentally balance and juggle this thing, it'll work. <laughs> okay? He said if you can believe, forget the brain. If you can believe, all things are possible. Can you believe? Or is somebody getting in the way of you believing? Jesus had nothing getting in the way when he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. He didn't go, now wait, let me theology. One minute, please. I have to th- check my theology. Now... This guy has sinned. We're going to find out he's sinned. This is why he's this way. Now, maybe I should give him a lesson first. Maybe he should come to 12 weeks of Bible study. And then once he turns his life around, then I will say, you know, rise, take up his bed and walk. If I do that now, this guy can think. Maybe he can sin all the time and take up his bed and walk whenever I'm around. No, seriously, can we just talk about some of these things? Because these are all the things that religion brings. And these are all the reasons religion uses why this person didn't get healed. Have you noticed something else? The dude has no faith. There's no faith exercised here, really. All he wanted Jesus to do is chuck him in the pool. Toss a burger, you know what I mean? You know, just toss me in the pool, dude. Next time you see me, just grab me and throw me. I'm happy, I don't care. As long as I come out healed. He wasn't looking to Jesus to heal him. He just wanted to get healed, which he did. He wanted to get healed. That was the thing that Jesus needed to find out. He, because he said, you want to get healed? And he goes, well, I need somebody to get me in the pool. It's another way of saying, yeah, I do. <laughs> okay? But you know what? The army, <laughs> the commander of the army was standing there. You know, angels are not little fairy little babies. With little wings and ooh. If you see one of those guys, I hope you bring a change of shorts. I'm serious. These guys are just massive. That's why they, you know, they say, fear not. Don't mess your shorts. We're here to help you. <laughs> I'm serious. You need to know something that these angels are that kind, those kind of beings. Some of them, you, you see them, it'll freak you out. They got eyeballs everywhere. I saw everything. No, <laughs> you know? okay. They're, they're just incredible beings, and we don't know what, what you know what was down there stirring the water. But can I just say this? There was Jesus, the captain of the hosts of angels. He's saying, "You don't need that. I'm here." Amen. Today, the man, this man was looking for you know the angel to stir the water. Somebody throw him in when the person that commanded all the angels was standing there. You want healing? It's all here. Hallelujah. Anyway, not Bible college. Moving on. Verse 9. <laughs> and immediately, see the word immediately. Immediately the man was made well. Took up his bed and walked. And here's the whole point of the story now. John is making two points. And that was the Sabbath. And so it begins. Okay? Now, you can heal 
any day of the week. Not that we can heal any day of the week, but, you know, we can, <laughs> so you're healing. Right, whatever. Okay, but you can heal, but not on that day because it's the wrong day. Can you believe this? We sh- they should be rejoicing that their Messiah can do stuff like this. But no, no, he's taking all the crowds away because they're doing all the wrong things. And he's showing them up for it. And instead of repenting, wow, they decide, let's get rid of the problem instead. Let's take away the thing that's making us feel bad. Hmm? Anyway. (laughs) Verse 10. The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured... It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Wow. Okay. Can we just deal with this very quick? I know it's not Bible college, but I got to deal with this for a minute. Okay. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. This is where it all began. I'm going to give you two scriptures. Just hang with me for two scriptures. All right. <laughs> and then we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 17. Exodus 20 is where the law was established about this Sabbath, that these guys are just saying that Jesus is breaking. I need you to see something because one preacher, bless his heart, said, well, you know, yes, Jesus broke the law, but it was Jesus. Dude, he didn't break the law. Read some more. Okay, so anyway, that's not back to you, all right? <laughs> it's just, it's very sad when people do stuff like that because they take away from what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, I didn't come to break or to take away or do, any, do away with the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. Right. Every jot, every tittle. Right. Amen? So there was nothing he was breaking. What he was doing was breaking their man-made laws. And this is where you need to watch out because churches today have their own man-made laws. And they make people feel bad for doing certain things that it is because of what they believe causes people to feel bad. Not because of what God is saying. And while people are saying, this is unfair and you know, but the church said I should do this. Yeah, sweetheart, can I tell you the difference? There's a difference sometimes between what the church says and what God says. So right now, quote-unquote, the church, so to speak, is saying this. Let's see what God said. Exodus chapter 20, verse 10. This is where it was established, and then I'll tell you what it actually means. It says, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. So there was the law. Let's go and have a look at what that law actually meant. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 21 and 22. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, this is what the Lord says. Listen to my warning and live. Stop carrying on your trade at Jerusalem's gate on the Sabbath day. Do not do your work on the Sabbath but make it a holy day. Do you now understand what the work was? He said you should stop working on that day trying to make money. It had nothing to do with carrying your bed. Do I want to go there? Let's go here for a little while. You want to hear some funny things? Here's some funny things. (laughs) Okay? This is how dumb they were. Okay? All right. Can Can I also share something with you? You know, this is another reason why the Apostle John, you know, talks about the Jews. All right? Because the Jews... 
had all these laws which caused them to have a problem with Jesus. Not the redeemed Jews, these Jews. So whenever he talks about the Jews, he is talking about people that have issues because of their man-made laws. Because the Gentiles never cared. You could carry your bed, your grandmother, whatever, your donkey, if you can, you know, whatever. You can carry anything you want. They don't care. It's the Jews that have a problem. It's the wrong day of the week. You can't carry that thing. So, <laughs> uh, how much of this do I want to tell, give you? So, here's a couple of things. This is how ridiculous it was. Just listen to this. Um, <laughs> for example, looking in a mirror was forbidden. The rationale was that if you looked in the mirror on the Sabbath day and you saw a gray hair, you might be tempted to pull it out and thus, thus perform work on the Sabbath. Well, you couldn't have that. You also could not wear your false teeth because if they fell out, you would have to pick them up and you would be performing work. No, I mean, just, here it is. Here it is, okay? <laughs> you could not carry a handkerchief on the Sabbath, but you could wear one. That meant if you were upstairs and you wanted to take your handkerchief downstairs, you tied around your neck and walked downstairs and then untie it. Because you didn't carry it, it came with you, you see. The Jews even depended about a man with a wooden leg. Namely, if his home was on fire, could he carry his wooden leg out of the house on the Sabbath? You think the guy's even thinking about that? Now, am I going to stay here and get burned? Leave my leg behind because that's work and then hobble out? I mean, how dumb is this? Right. One more? Let's, yeah, I want to show you how ridiculous this is, okay? <laughs> now, because traveling was forbidden on the Sabbath, a journey was limited to 1,000 yards. But if you wanted to extend your walk, you could tie a rope at, at the end of your street as much as 1,000 yards away because then you're still home. You've extended home by the rope. So you could go another thousand yards from there. Can you believe this? One more. You could spit on the Sabbath, but you had to be very careful where you spit. If you spit on the dirt and then scuffed it with your sandal, you would be cultivating the soil and therefore you'd be doing work. All right, that'll do. Are you getting this? Are you seeing why they're having a problem with this guy carrying his bed? Can you see how ridiculous things had become? <laughs> let's go back. In fact, let's go forward. That was good. That was good. That was good timing. All right. Next verse, if I can find it. Okay. Verse 11. <laughs> this poor guy, you know, he's got healed. I just need you to see this for a moment. He has got healed. He has had this thing for so long. 30 odd years, 38, is it something like that? Anyway, something else. I mean, that's a long time. He's been healed. He is, he is just ecstatic. He grabs his bed. It's not like he said, hmm, I have been healed. Oh, look, my bed. Let me roll the thing and take it home now. I don't think he did any of that stuff. I think he went, woohoo! I'm out. I can get out of here. 
And he's dancing, and they go, what's with the ruckus? Hey, isn't that dude that we still always see there, you know, sitting there and sick and all, 38 years? Somebody would have seen him. He's carrying his bed. How dare he carry his bed? Wow. That's the first thought. It's not praise God. Hallelujah. Salvation has come. The impossible is beginning to happen. Maybe our Messiah is behind this. We should check and see if he is. Is none of the things they thought. Okay. So they asked, who is it? In fact, in fact. <laughs> Where was it? So they said, it is not lawful for you to carry a bed. And then he answered, verse 11, he who made me well said, me, said to me, take up your bed and walk. In other words, he's saying, you know what? I don't care what you say right now. The guy that healed me, he gets to say what I do. Where were you? <laughs> okay. Verse 12. Now, it says in the uh, New King James, and they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? It's not what it says in the literal text. Want to hear the literal text? They asked him, who is this fellow? Yeah, he wasn't a man. He was a fellow. Who is this fellow that told you to take up your bed and walk? Defying all our laws? That's, that is what's behind this. <laughs> the one who healed, who was healed, did not know for it was, uh, who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. This incident marks one of the great turning points in the public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he performed this miracle on the Sabbath, he stirred up the anger and hatred of the Jewish leaders. They began to pursue him and seek his life. This is where it all begins, right? That's why John puts this incident in now. Verse 14, after... Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, now watch this. He says, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. I think that is really interesting that Jesus healed him, knowing that his sin got him into trouble in the situation he was in, but didn't deal with it when he was healing him. I think this is extraordinary that he says, take up your bed and go home. Do you know why man was never meant to be sick? We'll deal with your sin, but this is not acceptable. Are you all here? The way God sees this, it's kind of like a person that's starving. And you say, well, I need to preach to you 20 sermons before I feed you. That's just not on. We see somebody starving. We're not going to preach them 20 sermons first. I hope you don't. Naughty if you do. But, you know, the first thing you want to do is feed them. Remember what, it, what healing is called? The children's bread. This man had been starving for 38 years. And Jesus brought the bread to him. Are you here? We really need to see this in a different light. We need to understand that we are. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And that bread lives in you. Do you hear what I'm saying? We are meant to be that bread to people. That's why he says, you lay hands in the sick and they will recover. If you believe, all things are possible to him that believes. John 14, 12, greater works than these shall you do. 
even greater than what you've seen because I'm going to the Father. You're going to live in a new covenant because I'm going to the Father. Because I'm going to, it, it was all to do with his blood and it was to do with, a, okay, not Bible college. All right, it was to do with a whole lot of things that required redemption so that we could be redeemed back to that place. Amen? And you need to know the work has been done. That's why it's in his name that we do everything. Because he bought it all. Hallelujah. Anyway, <clears throat> so sad turn of events. Verse 15, the man departed and told the Jews <laughs> that it was Jesus who had made him well. I don't know how he did this. I don't know whether this man, because they had questioned him so venomously before, whether he was just mad at them, and whether he went and, and knowing that you know, some days when we're angry, we do dumb things. I'm wondering if this guy was so mad. How, you know, how dare these people, you know, persecute me, judge me, uh, give me a hard time about carrying my bed, and they call themselves religious leaders and didn't do anything to heal me. That's right. I almost, almost, I, I keep thinking he's just spineless. He, maybe he was. But I almost, almost see him now as a person that want to go blow a raspberry at them. It was Jesus. Meh. <laughs> but in doing that sometimes, you know what I'm trying to say? And then the bad guys know. Could have shut up, you know. Just don't say something. Some things you just don't say. <laughs> Verse 16, and here it comes. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Wow. What things? Killed, murdered, pillaged. Sacrificed a small goat. <laughs> you know, it's none of these things. Because he healed somebody. Wow. How twisted is this? How twisted is religion? That does every... I, I, you know, I'm doing studies on the Holy Spirit right now. Some incredible things. And it saddens me. It saddens me. I, I need to finish here because we're running out of time. But it saddens me. I know, right? This more. Next week. We, this leads into a whole lot of other things. Because Jesus is going to defend himself and he's going to use an argument that they are going to hate. He is going to say, I'm at work because my father is at work. Which means, what have you guys been doing? And they're going to get mad, not because father is at work, because Jesus said that was his father. The religion only hears all the wrong things. It amazes me. It just amazes me. But, you know, understand something. We, let me just get to this, get back to this. Understand something. We need to stay away from people like this. And we must not become people like this. People that deny the power. I was starting to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. As I was, as I was studying this, it's coming up twice, so let me just share this with you. It is amazing how people talk so highly about the Holy Spirit and then say, but you shouldn't speak in tongues and you shouldn't do it, you know, over here and you shouldn't promote it. Not if you want to keep your position in this church. 
Not this church, their church. <laughs> okay? And in how I look at the scriptures, I read in the scriptures, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How can you say, oh, we love the Holy Spirit. He's amazing and he's God and everything, but you better not speak in tongues or better not do anything that is a manifestation of him in your life. Because that's wildfire. <laughs> Come on. Where do you draw the line? It's incredible how religion thinks. Do you know they honored God and there was God amongst them and they want to kill him? I've always seen this. It is incredible when you look at it. You think, what's happened here? Jesus, you know, Jesus says, they love the darkness. That's why they reject the light. That's why they don't know what the truth is. And that's their condemnation. That they love darkness more than light. Because they want to do their sin quietly. Without being exposed. And still look religious on the outside. And we have to be so careful of that duality. Because there's always a trap somewhere. Are you all here? We're going to leave it. I'm sorry, I went further than I... We'll pick up in verse 16 next time. The, the next three verses basically are a transition into the next section. I could have read them to you, but then it will start getting into something else. And you want to know what comes next. You already want to know what comes next. So, <laughs> okay. But we'll pick this up, not next week because it's our Christmas service, but the week after. And we'll continue on with this. I pray that this is blessing you. And this is the reason why, you know, people have been told to read the Gospel of John. But can I just say this to you? When I just read it, I didn't get as much out of it as when I studied it out in this way. And I'm sharing it back to you from the years of being in the Word. And so I thought, no, it's unfair to ask you to just read it when you have no idea. They talk about the law. What is that? What is the Sabbath day? What, what's all the big deal about that? Now you know. Amen? Now you can appreciate what's happening. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father, for all that you're sharing with us. Oh, Jesus, we just, <laughs> we just love you more and more. The more we read, the more we admire you for standing up for what is right, doing what is right, even though it meant your life. You still healed. And you still want to do the very best for each and every one of us. You've already proven how much you love us by opening up your arms and dying on a cross for us. That's how much we need to love you back. And in this Christmas period, we take time out. This is kind of like our Sabbath month in a sense. Not all the rules but in the thinking that we think about you just a little bit more. And then we carry that through to the next year and grow in it. 
and then intensify again at the end of that year, and then grow in it again, hallelujah, from that point. And just thank you, Father, that we, this is another way of saying we go from glory to glory, strength to strength, from faith to faith. In Jesus' name, amen.